My name is Joe Andrews. I am, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm the one that's preaching today. You're not getting your money's worth today, okay? So, uh, no, but I'm really excited that I get to preach. I'm, I love preaching the Word of God, and I really hope that the Lord would speak through me to you. Uh, we play tag a lot in the office, and uh, I'm it today. So this is, this is what you guys get. What we're going to be talking about today is the purposes of life, and I hope that when you leave today, you will know the purposes for your life. And that's my, my hope, and that's my prayer. I've prayed it this morning. I prayed it last night. Uh, that is what I want you uh, to see today. So I'm going to go way back. When I was seven years old, all right, seven years old, this is 1986, um, when I was seven years old, my dad was going to New Mexico State University and uh, he was studying horticulture, and being a student, he was a poor student like most students, and he was trying to make ends meet, so he had a whole bunch of different odd jobs uh, around the city, and I found myself with him probably on a Saturday morning uh, at this house off of Stern Drive, and he's mowing somebody's lawn just for a few extra bucks, and I'm just running around being a kid, uh, having fun, and uh, I get in our car, which was a VW Bug at the time, uh, and I, I loved this Bug, and I I was just playing around in there. I had turned the radio on and lo and behold, the pastor's favorite artist comes up, Cindy Lauper. She's singing True Colors, all right? Uh, I don't know. Did you not know he was a Cindy Lauper fan? Huge Cindy Lauper fan. Uh, anyway, so that song is playing. I don't know how I remember it, but I just do. Uh, and that song is playing and I'm looking out the window, the, the windshield of the car and I'm watching across the street, there's this dog uh, that is... Uh, playing in the yard, and he decides to come over to our side of the street at the exact same time that a car decides to pass. And my little seven-year-old eyes are scarred for life. Uh, I bet you know who wins in this situation. The dog is laying on the ground, and my eyes are as wide as they could be. My dad stops mowing the lawn. It gets silent. Cindy Lauper even stops singing. I don't know why. She stops singing. Everything goes silent. My dad runs into the road, and he picks up uh, the dog. And I guess uh, the dog belonged to the house right across the street. So my dad takes the dog over in his arms. And he's taking it and the owner comes out and assesses the situation. The next time I see the owner, he runs in his house. He comes out, he has a needle and sutures. And there, there, there was a little part of the dog's stomach right here on his abdomen that had opened up. And I don't know if this guy was a veterinarian or just an awesome guy, just prepared for anything. Like I'll stitch it up, whatever. I'll give it a shot. Uh, but he goes ahead and he stitches this dog up right in front of my eyes. And it was absolutely amazing. I was hoping for another dog to cross the street and get, no, I really wasn't. But this guy could have fixed it. Okay. He could have fixed it. No, but what really did happen is this really set in motion a lot of my life. In fact, from that day, from that moment, I remember that I wanted to be a veterinarian. I made up my mind right then that was going to be my purpose in life. And I was aimed towards that purpose. I took all the pre-vet classes that elementary school had to offer. Uh, <laughs> through middle school and high school, just the same. But actually, even in New, at New Mexico State, I was in the animal science program. And I didn't know it at the time. Now, I wanted to be a small animal vet. I had at least made uh, my mind up on that. But New Mexico State doesn't have any small uh, animal stuff. So I got into to animal science there. Uh, the class really just became Cows 101, and I just found myself with this stack of cows just like going over them. Okay, Angus, Brahmin, 
Brangus, Hereford, and I'm just going through these cows, and I'm like, I don't know if, if this is really for me. Maybe this isn't my calling. And so that was really the purpose of my life for a while. My true purpose we'll talk about in just a minute, but I know that some of you have probably had a similar something happen in your life that maybe set your life in a direction. Uh, maybe it set some things in motion so that you could be who you are now. Maybe that's your occupation or maybe it's something like that, but maybe you found your purpose kind of early in life and that's really what you've been doing since then. There's others of you sitting in here right now that don't know what your purpose is. You don't need to look at them. That was pretty rude for you to look at those people that don't have purpose in their life, but that's all right. Uh, What I want you to see today, though, is that your life has so much purpose. My purpose, honestly, was never veterinary medicine. I didn't know it at the time. I thought that was my purpose, but my true purpose was very different. And we have two purposes in our life. Jesus talked about our purposes a lot in scripture. And the passage that we're going to be in Luke 24 today is going to talk about that. But before we get there, I really want to kind of set the scene for you. I want you to understand what's going on when we get to the passage that we're looking at. Okay. So if you could just kind of go back with me far 2000 years, it's a Sunday. All right. Jesus was crucified on Friday night. The 11 disciples now are meeting in a room on Sunday night in Jerusalem. It's only 11 because one didn't know his purpose in life. He betrayed Jesus. He didn't want to know Jesus. And he betrayed him and he hung himself because his life had no purpose. And the 11 disciples then are gathered in this room and their souls are crushed. Their savior, the one that they had watched do miracles, the one that they had watched walk on water, the one who Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God had died. If that's not a killjoy, I don't know what is. These disciples are in the midst of this turmoil. And through all of that, Jesus actually appears to them right then and there. Now, Jesus, when he was on the earth before he had passed away, he always used doors, uh, just like you used a door to come in here. Jesus always used doors uh, before this moment, but all of a sudden, Jesus is right in their midst. Now, they weren't expecting this at all. In fact, they had a rumor that Mary had seen the resurrected Jesus, and they were still a little iffy on it. I don't know if that's all true. Peter runs down to the tomb to see, and he sees an empty tomb, so it gives him a little hope, but he's not ready to say Jesus has resurrected. He doesn't know what's going on. As they're meeting in that room, Jesus just appears. And if you could imagine, if somebody just appears out of thin air, you're going to be pretty scared. And that, that was exactly how the disciples were. They were petrified. They thought that they were looking at a ghost. And Jesus says, peace to you. He did not use the peace sign. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) That's in the 70s. This is way before the 70s, okay? Jesus says, peace to you. I am here. And Jesus is right there. And they're still scared. They're like, you're a spirit. I don't don't know what's going on, but you're you're a ghost. We We don't know. And Jesus then says, all right, probably just to give them a little assurance, why don't you give me something to eat? So then if he eats something, they would be like, okay, it's really Jesus. He really is resurrected. He really has a body. It's not a spirit. It's not a ghost. We're not out of our minds here. And one of the disciples looks around 
and gives Jesus a piece of broiled fish. (laughs) I don't know why this. Here, have some broiled fish. I would never have done that to the resurrected Jesus. You don't give him broiled fish because it tastes like broiled fish, okay? And so Jesus takes the broiled fish, and he's cool with it. He eats the broiled fish, and it puts their minds at ease. And for the first time, they're seeing the resurrected Lord and they're understanding what's going on. And that's where we jump into the story today. I want to read this text to you uh, so that you understand everything that's happening. This is Luke 24, verse 44 through 49. This is what Jesus says after everything that I kind of just laid out for you. He says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. He's talking about before he died and now uh, before his resurrection. When I was with you, this is what I was saying, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Let's keep reading. And said to them, this is what is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from the Holy Spirit from on high. And this is our text today. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about our purposes. But the main thing that I want you to know, and if, if you want to get a go, uh, go and get a tattoo of this, that's fine with me, because this is your two purposes in life. You should never forget these two things, all right? You have two main purposes in life, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Your purpose in life are these two things. To know Jesus first, you were created for a relationship with him. He wants you to know him, but it doesn't stop there. You were also created so that you would make Jesus known to other people all throughout the world. In fact, Luke, who's writing this, he's actually talked to the disciples who were there in that room that night, and he's constructing the whole story of Jesus, and he writes a book that we call Luke, all right? Luke, all of Luke is written so that people would know Jesus, know who he was, know what he did, and could know him and trust him. He wrote a sequel to Luke. It's called Acts, and in Acts, do you know what he focuses on? the disciples, the 11, and then more and more and more, making Jesus known in the world. So even Luke knew these purposes, knowing Jesus and making him known are the main purposes of his life, and they're the main purposes of our life today. And I can't wait to get into this text, and we're going to look at some things that Jesus uh, says. So we're going to start here uh, in verse 44. This is what Jesus says. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So here's the first thing that I want you to see today. That the Old Testament scriptures exist to point people to the Messiah and ultimately know him. All right. Now, when you think of the word Messiah, you automatically think Jesus. You think nothing else. In fact, all you think of is Jesus because you know that Jesus is the Messiah. 
guess what? People back then and before Jesus had come to the earth did not know who the Messiah would be. And their idea of the Messiah was so very different. In fact, the Jews had a very different idea of what a Messiah would be and what a Messiah would do. So I want to talk to you a little about the worldview of those Jew, the Jewish people there, what they would have thought of the Messiah based in the scriptures. Now, if you know anything about the history uh, of Israel, um, it, they've had a, a rocky past, okay? They, uh, we know that they were in slavery with Egypt. They didn't get to have their own king. Finally, God gets them a king, David, and then Solomon, and then it quickly slips away. And they find themselves always being ruled by someone else, whether it was the Babylonians or the Assyrians, or when they stand the Messiah, it was during uh, the time when Hellenism was doing everything, expanding. That's when the Jews began to focus on three texts in particular in the scriptures so that they would know who the Messiah was and what he would do. And their idea of the Messiah from those texts was that he would be a king like David. He would be a king that could defend them and go to war if he needed to, but he was going to also be a king who would rule over them, a king from within their own, all right? When the Roman Empire came and replaced the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire swallowed up the Jewish nation as well. They didn't have a king there, all right? And so all of these contributing factors helped them understand from Scripture, from their Scriptures, our Old Testament, that the Messiah was going to be this huge ruler warrior, this warrior king who was going to rescue them, listen to this, just from Roman rule. At the time of Jesus, all they cared about is we want the Messiah to come so he can kick Rome out so we can be our own nation. And I promise you, that's all they thought about the Messiah. They did not know what you know. When you think of the word Messiah, you have so many things that come to your mind really quick, like Jesus Christ, like a virgin birth, like walking on water, like miracles. And all of these things come to your mind because you've been taught these things since Sunday school, but they didn't have that back then. They don't have the knowledge that we have now. All they were looking for was this warrior king. You know what they were really not expecting? God in the flesh as the Messiah. That was the last thing that they were thinking. They were not thinking the Son of God will be here with us. They were not thinking death, burial, and resurrection. We can see it in their scriptures, right? As we look at the Old Testament, we can see how did you miss all this, but they did. Because all they were focused on is we want someone to come in and kick the Romans out and do away with their rule in our lives. And so they're when they thought about the Messiah, it wasn't who Jesus turned out to be. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm not the warrior king you were expecting. I'm so much more. They weren't expecting miracles. They weren't expecting somebody who could heal the blind and make the, lime, the, the, the lame walk. They were expecting something very human. They were really just expecting another David. And Jesus is like, no. The entire Old Testament, not just three little passages, point to me. The entirety of the, the law, the prophets, and the writings, they're all pointing to me. And that was their three divisions of our Old Testament, their Hebrew scriptures. That was the three divisions. And if you were talking about those three things, you were talking about the whole thing. And Jesus says to them, everything points to me. I'm so much more than you ever thought that the Messiah could be. That brings us to our next point. 
that Jesus is the one who opens minds to know and understand him. Listen to verse 45. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Even the 11 disciples didn't understand how the scriptures pointed to Jesus. They understood more than the average person for sure, but they didn't understand everything. And I guarantee you, when Jesus opened their minds, it was like, oh my gosh, look at who we have in our midst right now. This is amazing. You know what passages from the law they would have thought of? They would have thought of the very first promise of someone who is going to rid the world of sin and Satan. It happens on the third page in my Bible. Moses begins to write about creation and then Adam and Eve and and the fall and everything else and Satan and how everything got really twisted up. And in Genesis 3.15, God promises that there will be someone who's going to put an end to Satan's rule and sin in the world from the third page of their own scriptures, and they never saw it coming. You know, when Jesus opened their minds for the very first time in this upper room, and they remembered all these scriptures, they would also remember the prophets. They would probably, you know, it would probably click with them, Isaiah 53, where the prophet Isaiah says that the anointed one of God will come and that he will be a suffering servant, and he will die, and by his stripes we will be healed. His death on the cross will cover our sins and our iniquity. And for the first time, the disciples are like, oh my gosh, it's everything. It's the law, it's the prophets, in the, in the Psalms or the writings, they would, have, they would have thought of Psalm 1610 that says, You will not allow your holy one or your anointed one to see decay. Do you know what that's pointing to? That's pointing to Jesus' resurrection. Someone that sees decay is someone who has died. And so for the first time in Psalm 1610, they're like, this is talking about you too. Because you didn't stay dead. Because you are the savior of everything. Your body did not see decay. And they finally got it. They finally understood their first purpose. It was all about Jesus. The Old Testament was all about Jesus. Their life was all about knowing Jesus. That brings us to the next thing that I want you to see today. That Jesus, the Messiah, fulfills everything that pointed to him. This is in uh, verse 46. And he said to him, said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying, look, it was prophesied of me that I would suffer, that I would die, and that I would resurrect. And I've done it all. And the the disciples cannot believe that the Messiah was so much more than they ever wanted And this would have taken them, uh, the next thing actually that Jesus says is actually another prophecy. And we know that Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy about him in the Hebrew scriptures. But this next thing that Jesus says, Jesus didn't fulfill. And it's kind of weird. If you think about it, we think Jesus fulfills all of it. He fulfills all of it. It's Jesus. He's the Messiah. 
He fulfills all of it. But this is what he says in 47. So 46 says that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. This is verse 47. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Where were they? They were in Jerusalem. Why didn't Jesus go ahead and just fulfill this prophecy as well. He did it on purpose. He did not want to fulfill this one, or he would have. He actually left this one for his disciples. It was their job to fulfill this prophecy. And when you're thinking about this, what Jesus says here, that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, you know what would have clicked in those disciples' minds because Jesus had just supernaturally opened their minds, they would have thought way back to a promise made to a man named Abram. You know him as Abraham, where Jesus says, I will make your offspring a blessing to all nations in the world. And when Jesus said, you're going to go and you're going to spread my name to all nations, forgiveness of sins to all nations, there would have been a connection right there. Because every Jew knew about God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they knew how God was trying to work it out, but they had forgotten. And honestly, they were never expecting the Messiah to do all of this. And so Jesus, with this last prophecy, he decides, you know what? I'm not going to do this one. This is left for my followers. In fact, the way that he even says it, he says, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in my name to all nations, starting here. When he said starting here, those 11 probably looked at each other and they're like, I guess he's talking about us. I guess we're going to be the ones who are going to go to the nations and we're going to make Jesus known. It's our new purpose. Now that we know Jesus, it's time to make him known. Now, if that's not really cool, I mean, because they did such a good job at what Jesus told them to do, making him known all throughout the world, because they did such a good job, you know the gospel now. Had they failed, you would never have heard the gospel. It's because of what they did and the foundation they made and the people that knew Jesus because of them and then made Jesus, Jesus known and the people that they made Jesus known to who knew Jesus would then continue and the whole process continues for the time until you got saved here or wherever it is that you got saved. Making Jesus known is huge for us in our lives. It's one of our purposes. If that's not enough for you to be really surprised, this next thing is really surprising. Go ahead and look up at the screens. You have a part in fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. In fact, Jesus didn't fulfill this one on purpose so that his disciples, whether they be 2,000 years ago or they are today, will make him known in all the nations. So when you go and you tell your neighbor, your coworker, or whoever about Jesus, you are actually completing, all right, this prophecy. You're fulfilling this prophecy that Jesus left for all of his followers to fulfill. That's an amazing thing. I bet you've never thought when I share Jesus with somebody, I'm actually completing, fulfilling what God has in his holy scriptures. That's a pretty neat thing to be a part of. Right now, I want to tell you a little about how FBC has a goal of really 
making Jesus known in all the world, okay? I want to share with you a few of the people that we're partnered with in, in all of America and kind of around the world so you get a good idea of the fact that we really want Jesus known in this world. We've actually partnered with a guy here in Las Cruces. His name is Derek. He just planted a church called uh, Thrive City Church here in uh, Cruces. And we got behind him because we know that he's going to reach people that we aren't going to reach. Okay, we can't reach every single person in Las Cruces. And we need help. And we've partnered with him. And uh, he's probably preaching right now. Uh, to his congregation, and they're going to have an official launch later this year. Uh, but we're behind him. We are also behind a guy in Chaparral. His name is Juan. He's going to plant a Spanish-speaking church there. We've already done short-term trips there, and we're going to keep going over there and help him in what he's doing because we have this idea that we can't do everything. So we need to get behind some great people who can do more than we do. All right. Uh, we also have national partners. All right. We helped start a church in Atlanta. It's going. It's a church. It's not even a church plant anymore with Matt Dye. We have another uh, church plant that we helped start in Broomfield, which is in the Denver area of Colorado. That's Keith. And we still support him monetarily. And if he ever needs us with a, for a trip or anything like that, we're going to go and help him in that way. Uh, we're also partnered with two new partners in Arizona, and uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to do some work in Arizona that we just wouldn't be able to do unless we partnered with guys like this. So we have one guy named Alex Dennis, and he's planting a church named Asante in, uh, in Surprise, Arizona, and we have a short-term trip scheduled July 22nd, where we're going to, our church is going to go over there and we're going to make Jesus known there and help him in any way that we can. We're also partnered with a brand new partner in Tucson who is thinking about planning a church right now and kind of getting all the ducks in a row uh, to do that in a place of Tucson that really doesn't have uh, much impact from churches. Across the world, we're working in Brazil with Scott Bupp, which I, who I think is in here somewhere. Probably doesn't want me to single him out, so I won't. But we're going to go visit Scott. We had it planned in 2020, uh, but 2020 fell through. Let's just be honest. So we didn't go that year. We can't go this year because they're still having a, a hard time hosting missionary teams to do everything that they need to do. But in 2022, Scott, we're going to Brazil, and we're going to hang out with you there, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we can't wait for that. We also have a journey girl in Southeast Asia who we support. We also uh, are partnered right here in Juarez, Mexico with a guy named Miguel who has an orphanage and a church and we're partnered with him and we go to and from Mexico a lot before COVID. Uh, but right now we're trying to get back on track with all of our missions things. You know why we're doing all this? Because we know Jesus and we want to make Jesus known. It's the passions of this church. It's not just our passion that you know Jesus. Even as a staff, as leaders, we are pressing into knowing Jesus more and more. And we want to know him and make him the center of our lives. And now you've just seen how we also want to make Jesus known. So if you've been following my message today, my last two questions for you aren't going to be like groundbreaking. My first question is this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? If you don't know him, why don't you know him? He has created you with purpose in your life. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't even have a purpose. I don't even know why I'm here. This is why you're here. It's to know Jesus. So know him today. Know that he came to forgive your sins. Place your faith in him today and he will save you. 
if you do know Jesus, are you pressing in to knowing him more? Is that your heart's desire to know him more? Are you just content with knowing who he is and that's good? Or do you want to grow in your relationship with him? So if that's the case, just continue growing in your relationship with Christ. This next question, it's not earth shattering either. Do you make Jesus known in your life? Are you somebody who will talk to other people about Jesus? Are you making Jesus known to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworker, maybe to your spouse, probably to your spouse? You know how they act sometimes, all right? They need Jesus too. Listen, whoever it is, I mean, start with your kids. Your kids need to know Jesus. Start there. Make Jesus known to your kids. What an awesome thing for parents to lead their children to know the Lord. If you would say, yeah, I've, I make Jesus known. I, I share Jesus with people. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Take it to the next level. All right? Here's what I want you to do. If, if that's you, if you say, yeah, I like to share Jesus, what I want you to do is take it to the next level. And the way that you're going to do that is by going on our website, click on the serve tab, put your name and then missions in parentheses. And what that's going to do is it's going to put you on a list where I can communicate with you every single thing that we do about missions. If we have a trip, if we have this, if we have that, if we hear something, I'm going to send that to you so that you can be as involved as you want. Another way to take it to the next level, just go get a passport and be ready to go as soon as we can go, whether it's to Juarez or it's to Brazil or it's somewhere else that God sends us. But be ready to go. Make Jesus known. I, there's so many people here. I don't know every little detail of your lives, and I'm not sure how God is working in your life and where exactly you need to make some adjustments, but we have a response time during that song that's about to happen. And during that response time, what we want you to do is think about this message. If you need to adjust your life about knowing Jesus or making him known, make some of those adjustments today. If you need to dedicate yourself to making Jesus known to your children, you could also do that. Whatever it is that you need to do. Maybe you just want to join a church that loves knowing Jesus and loves making Jesus known. This is your church. Come and come forward and tell one of the ministers up here that you want to join the church. Whatever it is that you need to do, you can do. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for not being what everybody thought the Messiah would be. God, we underestimated the Messiah, you, on every level. But God, now, know, now, now that we know that Jesus is the Messiah, we want to know him. And more than anything, we want to make him known. And if we're failing in either of those areas, God, would you use the Holy Spirit that you poured out on your disciples uh, soon after the passage that we just read in our lives so that we could know him and make him known. It's the purposes of our life. We thank you so very much for this time to learn about you. In Jesus' name, amen.